This is Rog back in DC at the Jewel Box, known as Audi Field, for episode three of the Wayne Rooney podcast. We've got to start up top by breaking some news. No one in the world knows this yet, but Wayne, you're moving to Derby County to become player coach in January. We will get to that. I will just say, when I heard the news, my first thought was, oh, the length some people go to avoid having to podcast with me. (laughs) To the pod. Let's jump right in. We are taping at the end of an international break. There are four games left in the MLS regular season as we sit here. DC United currently in fourth place in the East, all but assured of a playoff spot. How much does seeding actually matter? Because this league, it kind of turns into a cup competition once the playoffs start. It's a big difference, obviously, if you finish in the top four. You get the home game against anyone at home. We'd fancy ourselves, yeah. We sit here nearly a month after you announced that you're going to return to England to join Derby County as a player coach. Emotionally, how does it feel to be finishing off one season and bracing yourself for an entirely different situation, another locker room? Is it a challenge? Does it feel like you're in kind of between the two, footballing purgatory? Obviously, the first week, it's a bit different. You're doing interviews about it. You come back here to your teammate to know you're leaving. So it is a bit of a challenge, but then you just have to get your head around it. I'm trying to do well to try and make sure we make the playoffs with DC. And then I'll have a few weeks break before I go into Derby. So I think it's good that I've got that break, which will allow me to recharge the batteries. And refocus. Yeah, it's a different role I'll be taking on. So mentally, at the end of the season, you need that two or three weeks to get yourself ready again. Derby County, a remarkable club, a proud club, longing for a return to the glory days, not unlike DC United, whom you lifted on your shoulders. Championship, often considered to be the most cutthroat and competitive league in the world, a crucible. How do you think it's going to be different to the English game that you were used to? It's actually a bit similar to this league in terms of priorities, are at least playoffs, but aiming to go one step further and get the promotion. You're not just a player, you're going to be a player manager alongside Dutch legend Philip Koku. How are you preparing for that coaching aspect? I have to do a lot of homework on the league, on Derby County as a team, and I think it's going to take me going in there and seeing how Philip works day-to-day with the players. And then I'm sure there's little bits which I'll be able to help with behind the scenes, but I think, first of all, I'm going as a player. Have you spoken to any of your old teammates who've experienced that dual role, like John Terry? No, I think my focus now is just playing here, so I don't want to look too far ahead in terms of something I've got no control over at the minute that'll come when obviously the time comes but I think for now I have to give everything I've got to try and help DC to make these playoffs so that's where my focus is. Part of the joy of being in America that you've expressed over and over is the freedom that you've experienced here to go wherever you want to be out of the limelight in a way that you're not when you're in the United Kingdom Judging from your unveiling at Derby County, you're going to be back in the headlines every day. Mentally, how do you brace for that? Yeah, I've been in that my whole life. It's something which I'm used to. I understand my name in England sells newspapers, so from the smallest thing to the biggest thing, they'll try and put me in there if they can. So that is what it is, and be back, obviously, with my children. And so it'll be taking them to school, going to training, Depend on the time because the job will be a bit different in terms of helping out with coaching. I'll be there a bit longer probably. You know, if not, I'll be picking my kids up going home. So it's that's what you focus yeah, on. Yeah, that's what. A, utter normality. 
You've had a spell on the sideline here after a recent red card against the New York Red Bulls for some argy-bargy off a corner. Serious question, because our viewers watch a lot of football, but none of them have ever received a red card on the field as a professional player. You've had, by my count, eight, which is standard for a player who's had a career as long as yours. Ronaldo's had 11. David Beckham had eight. Do you remember your first as a pro, Wayne? Birmingham City away. December 2002. I was at that game. I come on, substitute, 10 minutes later, I think it was, well, straight red card. It was a bad tackle. Let's say it was full-blooded. I remember I overran the ball and Steve Vickers was coming out to try and take the ball and at that time I've lunged stupidly rarely and I remember after the game he got like 15 stitches down his shin so it was a bad tackle. It was a history-making tackle because you became the youngest player ever to be red-carded in the Premier League and I remember because I was at that game as the ref held the red card you just stared at it forever in shock and then you left the field with a wave to the Everton fans who all chanted your name. David Moy said after the game, he said it looked like a decent attempt to win the ball. I think Rooney's the real victim here, is what he said. <laughs> it, was, it was a bad <laughs> tackle and yeah, I didn't mean to hurt him. I generally did try and win the ball and I think when you're young, you overrun the ball and you're doing everything to try and get it back and I think you'd learn with experience not to make lunges like that because it can hurt someone, so... It was a record. It was. I know this is a crazy question, but indulge me. The emotions footballers go through in a red card moment when that ref does wield the red in front of your face, what emotions do you feel? You feel for your teammates because you're putting them in a difficult position in terms of going down to 10 men. Me red card against New York. If I'm wrong and I know it's a red card, I'm you're the first honest to about say it. it. And with this one, I tried to put me forward armour to hold the guy off across his chest, which happens all the time in the penalty area. Unfortunately, my arm has rised up and caught the guy near his neck. And I always remember the referees come in, begin the season and said, they'll look back and if they feel a simulation, <laughs> they can go back and do you, which the player was rolling around holding his face. My arm didn't touch him in the face at all. But I can see why he's given me a red card, the referee. I was disappointed, obviously, to get sent off, but I still don't believe it was. When you hit the changing room and you're there on your own and the game's still going on and you can hear the crowd and you know you're going to be suspended, what does that feel like? It's not a nice feeling and you're hoping the team can get to run out the game because you do believe that if you go on to lose the game it's your fault and you've let your teammates down. So you're just hoping really. The worst one I had was the World Cup quarter-final. 2006. Straight red card. It was a weird feeling because obviously I want the team to win. But then, on the other side of my mind was, if we win and then we win again, we get to the World Cup final. I'm banned. I can't take part in the semi-final or final. So that was a <laughs> that was a weird feeling and disappointment. I think I must have put about ten holes in the wall in the dressing room, punching the walls and kicking the walls. We're talking about England, and we're sitting here in September, a month in your career that is littered with milestone memories. September the third. 2003, 16 years ago, you scored your first goal in an England shirt. You were a buzz-cutted kid. You really were. 17 years, 317 days old, and you became the youngest ever goal scorer for the English national team, spanking the ball past a stunned Macedonian goalkeeper. Whenever I watch this 
goal, it's not quite clear to me ever whether he knew he could actually use his hands in goal. <laughs> As you think back to that moment, does it feel recent or does it feel a lifetime again? Yeah, it feels a long time ago. <laughs> I remember the ball got played forward to Emileski, who, who headed it down to me, and I hit it, I didn't catch it clean, and I was surprised it actually went in. To be honest, I don't know what the keeper was doing, but um, <laughs> I'll take it. It was my first goal, and I have a picture in my house back in England of that goal of celebration which I got signed by all the players obviously the start of scoring many more for England many many more because on September the 8th 2015 as a 29 year old you became England's all-time leading goal scorer you ultimately netted a record 53 goals over the course of 120 international appearances breaking the great British legend Bobby Charlton's record as England's all-time scorer. An amazing achievement. Do England goals feel different to scoring club goals, Wayne? No, not really. I never take goals for granted. I love scoring goals, whether that's for Manchester United, Everton, DC, England. I would say once I got to like 35 goals for England and I could feel I was close to getting the record, I was getting closer every time, it was a bit annoying, to be honest, because every interview was... How do you feel about you getting closer to Bobby Charlton? And I was like, <laughs> I think it was clear it was going to happen. When it happened, I'll speak about it. It's not something which I wanted to speak about every time I met up with England. And of course, it's great. I'm something I'm proud of. And although I don't think it'll stand <laughs> for 50 years like Bobby Charlton's one, and I think Harry Kane possibly in the next two or three years will. He's already got 25 goals. He's a fantastic goal scorer. And his goal-scoring record for England is fantastic. He's 14th on the list already all time. When I got the record and when I went back for the last game, I said it would be an honour for me to go and present him like Bobby Charlton presented me with the golden boot, so I'm sure that won't be before long. You honestly feel that? It's remarkable. I mean, Harry Kane has just overtaken the great Jeff Hurst, 14th on the list. And watching him, it is possible to imagine the day he takes the records. But what do records mean to you? Is it the fact that you have so many? Do they feel like easy come, easy go? Or do you feel a sense that you've sacrificed so much to win them, you want to hold on to them? No, I think records are there to be broken. And you ask any of my teammates, I'm not on the pitch thinking I have to score this game. (laughs) I've played with players, Cristiano, Ruud van Nistelrooy. These come in the dressing room, we win the game 4-0, they don't score and they're almost in tears. Life on a football pitch is scoring goals. It's where, their identity. And there's nothing wrong with the way they are. They're, you can obviously see how, how many goals Cristiano's scored. It's, it's done him all right. Yeah, there's a selfishness which these players, the top players, have got in terms of trying to score as many goals as they can and being disappointed. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm more of a player who I just want to play and enjoy it. And I think that's why you see when particularly in my younger days when I weren't involved in the game I'd be dropping deeper and trying to play and getting on the ball so I'm not really worried about anyone breaking records records are there to be broke England have had a fine international break they've thrashed goals past all comers with Harry Kane young Sancho Raz clicking suddenly undoubtedly one of the best teams in the world which for those of us who've watched England for decades it's remarkable to experience when you watch this team do you ever look at some of these players, the Canes, the Sterlings, and think, oh, man, we would have done some major damage to defences if they'd been born 10 years ago? No, I watched them with excitement. I watched them with happiness, obviously, when they're winning. But I think you look at our team 10 years ago, 
we arguably had the best group of players in world football. Rio Ferdinand, John Teddy, Ashley Cole, Gerard, Scholes, Lampard, Beckham, myself, Mike Lowen. With our team then, if we had a Guardiola with that group of players, we would have won everything. I've no doubts about them. So that's it. So the manager. I mean, yeah, what, I think what, what do you intend has gone right with Gareth Southgate? Now? He's a young manager who has took his time, and he hasn't been rushed into anything. He's obviously been through the FA. He's worked with a lot of these young players, and I've seen him at the Super Bowl last year. He's trying to get different ideas. I think it's important you can take different ideas from different people, and he's done that. And of course, the group of players are fantastic players as well, and. I think what's important, you've got Harry Kane, Tottenham's best player, Raheem Sterling, arguably Man City's best player. You've got players playing in top teams, maybe with some of the younger players five years ago weren't happening. So they've got a good balance in the squad, I think. The Wayne Rooney podcast is brought to you by Events DC. Oh, Located in the most powerful city in the world, that would be DC. Events DC is a face of convention, sports, entertainment and cultural events in the nation's capital. That would also be DC. If you enjoy groundbreaking conferences, heart-pounding sporting events, can't miss galas or electrifying concerts. And let's face it, who doesn't? Events DC hosts it all. Are you ready for a closer look to see how Events DC makes DC happen? Oh, visit Events DC. Talking about English football, Premier League about to return into our loving arms. Manchester United currently have a penalty situation going on. Paul Pogba taking over penalty duties and missing. Then Marcus Rashford, who has been so clinical, also missing in a loss against Palace. You are the man, Wayne, don't know if you know this, who scored more Premier League penalties for Manchester United than anybody. You were taking them when Ronaldo, Scholes, Chicharito, Van Persie, Van Nisselrooy all wanted to take them. Is that a decision a coach can leave to the players? It depends. I didn't take when all them players were there, by the way. And Van Nisselrooy took them, Ronaldo took them. When Ronaldo left, I started to take them. I think as a group of players, you can see, no one had to say to us as a team, Van Nisselrooy's taking this penalty. He's the best penalty I've ever seen. The manager doesn't have to say, or the players don't have to argue over who's taking it. We knew Van Nistelrooy was taking it. We knew Ronaldo was taking it. After that, they knew I was taking it. I think it's only really the manager steps in if something like this happens. And I don't think it should happen on the pitch. You should go on the pitch knowing who's taking the penalty. And whether it's Pogba or Rashford, they're both good penalty takers. There shouldn't be any debate on the pitch because it doesn't look good for the fans. What happens if you miss? There's questions there to be answered, so I'm sure in the future whoever is taking it will know before the game. We've got a touch base on the most beautiful of words, Everton Football Club. Iwobi, Moise Keane, Fabian Delph, Rich Arlison, oh, Tiny Bernard and the God known as Seamus. Darkness in defeat against Aston Villa, potent in victory against Wolverhampton. Is the cup half empty or half full from your perspective? No, I think they've made some fantastic signings. A very good signing for me, I think, is Fabian Delph. Oh, I think. I'm going to get his back tattoo. <laughs> stamp. Fabian no, Delph. I think I obviously know him and play with him for England as well. And he's a great lad to have in the dressing room. He's a fighter. He wants to win. I think the sign of Delph is brilliant. I think Everton will have a good season. I think, oh. and 
hopefully they can break into that top six this year. I think you're still looking too far ahead if you're thinking of top four, but hopefully they can have a run and try and get into that top six. I was nodding until you said that last bit about getting ahead of yourself. Because my next question is, the title is certainly going to go to one of Manchester City, Liverpool or Everton. That's my words, not Wayne's. Who outside the big six, based on what you've seen, might break through into that top four? Probably the two standout teams, if anyone is going to do, is probably Leicester or Everton. I think Leicester's Brendan Rodgers. He's a fantastic manager. He is. He's got great ideas and his team know how they want to play. I've seen it with Liverpool, Swansea before that, Celtic. So I think that's a great time for Leicester. Oh, I love the way you left Everton in there for me. I appreciate that. We've got one final anniversary to celebrate. EA Sports FIFA 20 comes out September the 24th. Wayne. Tough question. Do you know which player holds the record? It's been a whole podcast, the records, for appearing on the most covers in EA Sports FIFA franchise history. Um, I'll give you a clue. <laughs> it's you. Yeah, no, I was thinking it's probably me. I was on it for a few years. Yeah. A few? You're on it? I've got them all here. I asked EA Sports. They told me Wayne Rooney has appeared on the most covers every game from FIFA 06 to FIFA 12. I've got all your covers here in front of us. Look at this one. 06, you're starring with oh, the Brazilian icon, Ronaldinho, who was like Bobby Chompers before Bobby Chompers. This week, you posted photos of yourself and Ronaldinho shooting some of the promos for this. You were 21. I mean, it's astonishing. He was in his prime at 26, about to win the Champions League. Do you have any memory of that shoot? Remember, flew out to Barcelona. Patrice Evra was there. Patrice was at Monaco at the time, and you actually done the TV advert. Yeah. I actually didn't realise Patrice was there. Um, <laughs> he was almost an extra. So when he signed for Man United, <laughs> he said to me, yeah, I was there. And I was joking with him. I said, yeah, I flew the picture up of you there and it's in my toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so he went happy. I remember a few of the TV adverts we'd done and it was great to be part of. And it's a game I played growing up and game is still playing now so I'm excited for Mate, the FIFA co- 20. The, the covers go on and on you and Ronaldinho you and Ronaldinho then he exits FIFA decide to mix things up they keep you shunt Ronaldinho aside and replace him with Frank Lampard and Theo Walcott the English Ronaldinho <laughs> you, you told us that when we first taped that more than anything about England you miss playing FIFA with your mates I mean what role does the game play for you in your life not just about video games but like that shared yeah, no, I think it's. I think the the good thing about it is obviously you play online, and so you've got all your mates there who you're speaking to for a couple of hours, and so it's not just about playing the game. Because as a professional, you're kind of deprived of the fan experience of football. Playing FIFA may be the closest that you get to feeling what we all get when we watch the game. The closest you get to getting a taste of being a fan. No, we obviously have the fantasy football and there's so many arguments <laughs> which goes on in that. And Are you a fantasy football player? Yeah. Are you triple captaining Mo Salah? I haven't used it yet. Waiting for the double game week. <laughs> <laughs> and then throw it all on Seamus. I've got to ask you, what does being on the cover of this game so many times mean to you? Because to me, it's like the FIFA cover is kind of the people's ballon d'or. It was great, obviously, to be a part of the game for so long. And the good thing when I was working with EA Sports was you'd always get the game before anyone else. And so for the first month, you're almost playing it before it comes out. And so you can get 
you headstone. <laughs> a bit of a headstone, yeah, Destroy so. all comers. You are the people's blonde or either you or Tony Hibbert are the only two <laughs> individuals who can claim that crown. It is great to be with you, Wayne. Wishing you Godspeed over the course of the next four games. Come on, you blues. Thank you. For more Wayne Rooney, watch the Men in Blazers show this Sunday, 2.30pm Eastern Time on NBC Sports Network, where Wayne joins oh, Rose Lavelle of the Washington Spirit and US Women's National Team and the British Ambassador for reals on the stage at the British Embassy. Bad news, Men in Blazers also airs Monday, 5.30pm Eastern Time and Washington NFL star Josh Norman guests. He's magnificent. Courage.